0: Every day we ask so many questions. What should I wear? What's the weather going to be like? How am I going to fit everything in? But then there are those bigger questions. Like, why am I here? Where am I heading? Is there more to life than this?
1: arrived at an answer to the most important issue that we humans ever deal with is there a god and i had arrived there without ever really looking at the evidence and i was supposed to be a scientist
2: at 28 Uh, I had gotten many of the things that I thought I wanted. My girlfriend was on the cover of magazines, I had a Beamer, and I was so unhappy. It was a realization maybe that I I would never find happiness where I was looking for it. I think for so many years, you know, I always just strive to be strong in myself. All I needed was me and my buddies and, you know, we'd be like invincible. But the truth is, none of us are. I found purpose, I
0: found meaning, I found hope. God took something so broken and made it a beautiful art piece.
3: Alpha is a place where you can be yourself. You can say what you think and challenge everything. No no question is too complex or too simple. And what your point of view is, is as important as anyone else's.
1: We are going on a journey together, an adventure to explore the questions of life, faith and meaning.
0: you. Um, That's great. More about that very, very shortly. Uh, Good to see all of you, King's Church, and if you're new, let me add my welcome to you. I'm Philip. I'm one of the pastors here, and if you were here last week, you'd have heard me say that we're going to take a little two-week break from our current teaching series, which is Spotlight on the Character of God, to look at what it would mean as a church to kind of relaunch, really, Alpha for us as a church after a little time of not running it. So this morning is a bit of a, a pause in that sense and this morning, the rest of our time together is a bit different than normal in that I'm going to speak for a shorter time than normal which may be good news to you and then I'm going to hand over to, uh, to Ross and to Emma who are leading us just now and they're going to explain something more of the specifics if you like of Alpha and how Alpha is going to work for us here at King's Church in the autumn and they're also going to interview a friend of theirs a guest of ours and to hear something of his story and how Alpha um, played a pretty major part in his life so that's how the kind of rest of the morning works. And then at the end of that time, uh, this is where these cards will hopefully come in particularly uh, useful to you. Because as you may already have seen, these are just a really easy way of jotting down some names of people. If you account yourself someone who is following Christ and would love to invite others to explore what that means, you can jot down some names here. So you might do it straight away. You might be like, yep, Alpha, I know what that is. I'd love to invite X. And you're writing down already, which is great. But if not, that's all right. Just trust God to speak through the rest of the morning together and at the end of our time of kind of, as it were, addressing you, there'll be opportunities to reflect, to pray, and see who kind of maybe God brings to mind. And you'll notice that there, are, there would have been a tear off, I think. So you can maybe just tear it down the middle, perhaps. And we can also pray for the same people. I'll explain how that will work at the end. Okay. And I want to just really just set some context for why we're relaunching Alpha here. So Ross and Emma will give some of the specifics for Alpha itself. I want to set some context for not just why Alpha, but but why and how do we. Make the name of God known, help people, as the video was saying, to begin to explore the God that we've just been worshipping. And in some ways, it's not a tight, we're not taking two weeks out from our series. In some ways, this is a very natural implication of our series. Because our series so far in Spotlight has been asking, really, each week the not insignificant question what is God like? That's the question we're kind of asking each week because if we're Christians, we want to know who he is so we can know him as he is, so we can follow him as he is, so we can worship him as he is, obey him as he is, live for him as he is, and, and if we're not yet a Christian or we're not sure, we can explore him as he really is. So it's a big question that we've been asking in each of the four weeks, and we've seen, I think, again and again, that God, if you like, on the one hand is, is majestic and awe-inspiring and kind of fall to your knees and worship. And at the same time, he's, he's so personal, he's so knowable, he's so uh, tender in that sense, We've seen that God is independent and omnipresent and triune or trinity and sovereign. And at the same time as being kind of, wow, how is that even possible? We're kind of also being brought, I think, closer to him. Unknowable and knowable all at the same time. And, and I want to put it to you, especially if you have been here these past few weeks, or you have been catching up on the podcast, that the more that we know of God, the more that we really know of his love, the more that we naturally desire to trust him that we desire to, to worship him, that we desire to obey him and live for him, and that we desire to make him known to those who would yet, not yet know him. If you, are, if you know, and by know I mean experience, encounter, live in the good of the majestic love of God, and the personal love of God, and the transformative love of God, then you surely want others to, to taste that for themselves. So in some ways this series, is it, what we're doing this morning is an implication of the series that we've been in so far. So I'm going to take another 10 minutes just to kind of open up why we find that natural implication in the Bible, how we find it in the Bible. So I'm going to speak for nine more minutes from John chapter 4 in the New Testament. Uh, John's the fourth gospel in the New Testament, but it'll also be on the screen behind me in a moment. And it's a passage that I've sensed God speaking to me about for us for quite a while now. And I think we'll probably return to this passage in our, in our Autumn Vision series. And the context of the passage is that Jesus Christ has begun his ministry. He's gone on a long walk, and he's pretty hot and tired, as he would be on a long walk in the Middle East at the height of the noonday sun. And so he stops off for a drink at a well, and he asks the only other person at the well, a Samaritan woman, to give him a drink. Which sounds maybe to us like a very normal-ish moment, but this is anything but a normal moment. This is not pull over at a service station and grab a bottle of water from the woman behind the counter. This is a culturally loaded, or even culturally unthinkable moment. Because you have Jesus on the one hand, Jewish, male, and a rabbi, a religious teacher. Then you have this Samaritan woman, a a Samaritan, a, a woman, and considered to be morally suspect. The Samaritans were loathed by the Jews at the time, considered to have kind of distorted both race and religion. Women were effectively second-class citizens, really, in the ancient world of the time. And thirdly, the reason she comes to the well at noonday is because she assumes nobody else will be there. People would get their water at the beginning of the day, or at the end of the day, when it was cool, you wouldn't come out at the height of the noonday sun. She's there because she wants no one else to see her or know her, such as the kind of moral shame that she carries. So it's a very, very unlikely, culturally, kind of loaded moment, to put it mildly. I'll read it to you from verse nine in chapter four. And I think you're gonna see what I've been hinting at, kind of unveiled in, uh, in the word of God here. So verse nine, the Samaritan woman said to him, Jesus, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. That's John telling us that. Verse 10, Jesus answered her, uh, if you knew the gift of God, Again, the water that I will give him will be become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. It's a point the woman thinks she's talking in literal terms still. And she says, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty, i we'll have to come here to draw water. But Jesus kind of presses in, helps her to see what he's really getting at. Verse 16, he says, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you've said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me. The hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth. For the father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He was called Christ. When he comes, he'll tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I speak to you, I'm he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Skip forward to verse 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. Now, there is so much you can say about this passage. And Like I say, I think we might return to it in the autumn. But in these next few moments, I want you just to hear one thing. Rather than aiming at loads of things and missing them all, I'm going to aim at one thing in the belief that we'll hit it together. This is what I want you need to notice. When we encounter the God who knows us as we are, and loves us as we are, we are then able to make that love known to others. That's what we're seeing in this passage. When we encounter the God who knows us as we are, and loves us as we are, we're then able to make that love known to others. This woman encounters what it is to be fully known and fully loved. Before she does anything, she experiences the profundity of being both fully known and fully loved. So first of all, she... She has this kind of profound moment of of not just having her past uncovered. Jesus is interested in something far deeper than that. He's he's doing that, he's using that to get to her heart. He's getting right to the core of her heart. The deepest desires that she has, that's what Jesus is interested in getting right to. He's He's basically saying, I know the deepest desires that you have for things like security and honor, not least in that culture, and love and worth. Jesus is kind of opening up the deepest desires of her heart in that sense. But as well as experiencing the kind of moment of Jesus effectively like gazing into her soul, she also experiences such tenderness, such a, a loving invitation. It's like Jesus opens up our heart, ah, and then fills it up with love and tenderness and invitation. Now, I'm not going to get into the, the kind of complexity of what she's saying and what he's saying and the the Samaritan Jew belief and so forth, that's for another time. But the bottom line is, effectively, Jesus says to her, having just kind of exposed the deepest desires and and darkness of her heart, he says to her, I'm the Christ. I am the one who can bring you to God. I am the one who can satisfy. I am the one who can give you living water to drink from, the kind of which that will satisfy you for all eternity. I am the one, Jesus says to her, who can make it possible for you to live a life truly loved, I'm the one who can make you possible to live a life of love and of worship. And he effectively says says to her in this culturally loaded moment, he says to her, listen, as a Samaritan woman, I know you think you are excluded from this invitation to a life loved, a life of worship. You're not, you're included. And then what does this woman do in response to this encounter of Jesus? This moment of having her heart opened up, her dreams, her struggles, her darkness is opened up and then her heart is filled up with love and invitation and encouragement and acceptance. What does she do in response? Well, she waits, doesn't she, till she gets all her theology sorted out. Doesn't she? She waits till she's been on a discipleship course or she's been part of a church for a long enough time. She waits until she gets all her things and spiritual life in play. Oh, straight away. Verse 28, so... The woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can, can this be the Christ? She basically says to these people, many of whom perhaps would have frowned upon her at the very least, even loathed her, she says to her community, you've got to come and encounter Jesus. Like, I don't know much, but, but he, he knows you like fully, everything about you. And, and yet he also loves you. He wants to heal you and invite you into friendship with him and worship of him. You need to come and meet Jesus, is effectively what she's saying. And the result, verse 39, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Right at the outset or near the outset of Jesus' ministry, he's modeling something to us. He's modeling something to those of us who want to follow him, to be disciples of him. I think this is what he's saying. He's saying words along the lines of, to us as King's Church, listen, get to know me. That's one of Jason Stocks' favorite phrases, one of the leaders here at the church, get to know Jesus. That's Jesus' invitation, get to know me, encounter me in worship and spirit and in truth. It's like Jesus saying, encounter me in, in the private space with, your, with the door closed behind you. Encounter me in, in, in the Bible and in prayer and in, and in song and in meditation. Encounter me in corporate times of worship and teaching and community. Encounter my love, Jesus is saying. Have this experience regularly, having your heart opened up and filled up and then by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will make me known to those that are yet to know. I guess you could say that's why churches exist. I think that's why our church exists, to help each other know Jesus more and more with increasing passion and understanding and depth and maturity and wonder and awe and radical obedience and then to help each other make him known. To those of you who have yet to taste that same love and compassion that we've been tasting ourselves, we're here to help each other know Jesus and to help each other make Jesus known. And I guess a series like Spotlight, the one we've been in, looking at the character of God, kind of leans more towards the the first part of that. We we are unashamedly focusing on what it means to know God in his sovereignty, in his triuneness, in his omnipresence and so forth. And, And I think many of us are being brought to a fresh place of trust and worship and just, wow, God. But one of the implications of a, a series like this. It's not just that we worship and trust and enjoy and obey. It's that we say, hey, I know that you don't know much about this God, but do you want to come and explore something about him? Because I found him to be incredible. Like this of woman. This is the Jesus who told me everything I ever did. In other words, he saw the innermost parts of my heart and then he filled me with love and acceptance and forgiveness and he's released me to a life of purpose. Do you, do you want to come and meet that Jesus? So us relaunching Alpha after like three years, I think, it's not just we're doing a course and there's going to be a course in the diary and we're going to try and get people on a course. That's that's not what it's about. Alpha is just a brilliant tool that God has blessed unbelievably throughout the world to help churches help people explore and find for themselves the love and acceptance and forgiveness and purpose and meaning and truth in God that we get the privilege of tasting every day of our lives. So that's something of the, I guess, the why that we're doing something like this. But to get into kind of the specifics of what Alpha is going to look like for us as a church, Ross, Emma, do you want to come and join me? And they're going to just speak into more of, as I say, the specifics of Alpha here at King's Church. Some notes for you, if you find them. Somewhere.
3: Thanks so much. Just going to find these. Philip, where? oh, they're here. They're here. Sorry. This is me. Yeah, so I'm so excited to announce the launch of Alpha 2018 at King's Church. Um, the course, um, for those of you who don't know, is a series of interactive sessions that freely explore the Christian faith. Um, there's no pressure. No follow-up and no charge. Simply put, we have a meal, we watch a short talk, and then we have a small group discussion. So for those of you who haven't done Alpha before, that's a little overview. No question is too big, too small, and the whole course is designed around those wanting to explore the Christian faith. At King's Church, we've run some fantastic Alpha courses in the past. I know there's some people in this room uh, who have had their lives transformed uh, by learning about Jesus on this course. In fact, we're gonna hear from a few of them in a couple of weeks. So, we've booked the Department of Coffee on the 3rd of October, each Wednesday, and we feel it will be a great relaxing atmosphere for guests to come along.
1: Ollie, do you want to come up? (laughs) Um, Ross and I hosted um, a group on an Alp course quite a few years ago now, um, and we met Ollie, um, and we've stayed in touch ever since. um, And he was exploring at the time, um, and we're really excited to have Ollie here with us today to tell you a little bit about his experience. And thank you so much for joining us this morning. Um, I'm not used to working off a script.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Take a seat, Ollie. It is on wheels. Hello. Good morning, (laughs) everyone. Hi. So, Ollie, um, tell us about your life before Alpha. Cool, thanks, Ross. Um, <laughs> hi,
2: everyone. So, I'm from a little town called Eastbourne. I don't know where, if you know where Eastbourne is. It's <laughs> down near um, Brighton. So, usually, just I say I'm from Brighton, and people <laughs> get that. Um, so, yeah, I've got. Uh, it's quite a long story, but I'm gonna I'm gonna compress it quite a lot. So, I was um, born and brought up in Eastbourne. And I was born into a Christian home, so my mum and dad were Christians. Um, But I stopped going to church when I was about 12. I didn't find it very exciting. I didn't find it meaningful. I didn't experience anything. I went to a Methodist church. I don't know if you've heard of a Methodist church. Um, 11 year old, 12 year old boy going to a Methodist church. I can remember one day on Palm Sunday, they rented a donkey and we had to walk around the streets with this donkey. And that was my experience at church. It was painful. Um, So I stopped going. And from then on, I just lived my life how I wanted to, I guess. Um, So I went through my teenage years and I came to London uh, to study music. I was a musician and yeah, I kind of had everything, I guess. Um, I had everything that the world tells you to have so I had friends and money and I was a young guy living in London so I was single so I was kind of in a relationship every different week and you know I had um, I could kind of take anything that I wanted my friends um, would get drugs for free so there was that just going around and we lived in a house and we used to go to these parties that didn't stop and um, yeah I guess that was my life it's very very hedonistic um, you know, I thought if there's no such thing as God, just get pleasure, right? That's 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 what we're here for, just to to live a, a pleasurable life. So that's that's yeah, that's I guess that was my life before. Um, do you Want me to go on, or was that yeah? Um, or was there another question there?
1: I, can, I guess what led you to think about doing Alpha?
2: Yeah, sure. Yeah, what um, is
1: that journey
2: about? Yeah, cool. So that kind of ties in. So um, here I am in London. I'm 21. I'm living a very hedonistic lifestyle. And uh, I gave this talk. Um, I used to do talks in a youth prison of about a year ago. And I gave this talk then. And I just realized that this is who I was. And I, I said to all these youth guys that have offended and done some seriously bad stuff because um, they're all into, you know, hedonistic lifestyles and I said, you know, when you do these things, when you, when you drink alcohol, um, it just blocks the synapses, um, you know, between your neurons that's so going on in your brain. And when you take things like ecstasy or marijuana, uh, they just release THC or they boost your serotonin levels. It's all going on inside your mind. And I just said, you know, what happens here? If it's all going on in here, what happens, what happens in here? and it was like dead silence and I guess that that's where I was at everything I was doing now I'm not here to say that those things are wrong you know that's a different different talk altogether so whether it's right or wrong it's regardless but you know it just feeds up here it just feeds your head and I can remember after going out one night and I, I really was in a good place you know I had Loads of friends and, um, you know, I just had everything, everything that I could want. And I can remember waking up one day in um, my room. We lived in a house just outside Canary Wharf. And I thought, this isn't it. This isn't it. And I had this, like, it wasn't like a stomachache. It was really, it sounds really cliche, but I woke up and thought, this, this isn't it. This isn't it. What is it? What is it? This, I just felt so unsatisfied yet. Yeah. I had everything that... Um, that the world was was telling me to have. And I felt so deeply unsatisfied. So that led me to do an Alpha course, um, because my parents, brought me back to my parents, they were a Christian, and uh, I just started getting in a lot of conversations with them, um, that I could see that they, they had this faith, and they would say it was true, um, And basically, I I used to argue and argue and argue with them. And then they got really fed up with me. And they said, go and do an Alpha course. (laughs) Um, And I guess, yeah, Alpha's alpha's really good. Because it just strips everything back. You come and you get free food, which is amazing. And it just strips the whole thing back. You know, it's not about the church. It's not about all these rules and regulations you know as soon as you say church and christian to someone they're like whoa um but Alpha's not like that it just goes to the heart of it it just cuts right through to the root which is jesus um which i yeah which i loved so that that got
3: me on an alpha course amazing and um You've kind of explained, but what did you actually experience in the Alpha course? What were your first kind of, so someone here who maybe is thinking about doing Alpha, what what was your experience first going into Alpha HDB?
2: Sure. I mean, um, it was just really chilled. It was really relaxed. And my experience of church was very formal and, you know, don't do this, don't do that. um, Be quiet, all these kind of things. And I guess that's how a lot of people see church. It's just rules and hoops to jump through and i came on alpha and it was just at the other end of the spectrum it was all just really relaxed and um i guess the format's really cool because they you sh- you do a talk or a video and that's when uh, the Christians get to say what they believe. And then in the group, you get to say what you believe. And I hadn't experienced that. So suddenly I'm sitting in front of 12 people telling them all about my experience and what I think and what I believe. And um, I think that's a great, it's a great model. It's a great model to have.
3: Um, yeah. And you found Jesus on the course. I did, yeah.
2: <laughs> so I guess going back to, you know, my lifestyle you know, waking up and thinking, what is it? What is it? You know, I'm doing all these things. It's feeding up here, but nothing's happening here. And uh, and I'd looked at, you know, other things like kind of Buddhism and New Age and, And I didn't really like it because it basically says that you're the answer. That you know, if you look deeply inside yourself, then you'll find the answer. And I kind of did that, and I thought, no, that's not right. That's that's nothing. Nothing's there. Nothing's there when you look inside yourself. Um, And there's a talk on Alpha called "Who Is Jesus," and that's basically that's all it is. It's all about who is Jesus. And I'd grown up, I mean, sadly to say, I'd grown up in a church, and I didn't even know who he is and uh, who, who he was, I didn't know who he was. And I heard this talk, who is Jesus? And that was it, that was it. Second week in, um, I thought that's it, that's what I'm looking for. And there's a verse in the Bible in Colossians and it says the whole universe was created through him and for him. And it's like, if that's true, if that's true, then it's everything, then Jesus is everything. If it's not, then it's a dangerous cult and you need to stay far away from it. Um, but if that's true, uh, yeah, I think it really is everything, and that's what I experienced. I, I heard about this guy called Jesus, and I thought, that's it, that's the answer. Um, but yeah, I would, I would just say, just do it if you want to explore. If you you know if, if you want to explore Christianity, I, I've invited people that have come and done it. They've not become Christians, but it's just opened their mind about it, and now they know a lot more about it. So you know, if you're sitting here and you're you're kind of on the fence and you're not sure, um, I would just say come and eat and explore and ask
3: ask lots of questions. And finally, Ollie, what's Jesus? What difference has Jesus made in your life? How would you say your life's different now?
2: Uh, yeah, well, I think for me it was that. I didn't have that peace because I was just running around trying to do all these things, and it wasn't satisfying me. And Jesus is, has fulfilled that peace, I guess, and given me yeah, given me meaning, um, which is just incredible. Um, because that's what I was ans- uh, oh, that's what I was after. I was just after the truth, and um, yeah, that's what I experienced. And it's you know, it's not. A straight road being a Christian, it's, it's up and down, obviously nothing's perfect, but to have that, that truth at the foundation of it um, that is Jesus, that, that's made all the difference.
3: Amazing. Thank you so much, Ollie.: Thank you me, so
2: much, Ol, a round of applause.:
3: <laughs> Amazing.: So we would love a department to be full of friends, families, colleagues, neighbors and randomers, uh, all exploring Jesus together. Alpha works best when each group has two leaders, two hosts, and around 8 to 10 guests. So we'd love you to be thinking of people you might want to invite. The ideal scenario is that at some point your guests will be comfortable to come along without you. Uh, this, is, this, in our experience, leads to the most authentic exploring experience. Um, however, if they're nervous to come along to something without you for the first time, perhaps come with them the first week and see how that goes from there. I think what we'd really like to build is a, that kind of two leaders, two hosts, uh, eight to 10 guests uh, scenario. Um,
1: um, and we will be looking um, for people to help host and serve on the night. So if you have a real heart for Alpha, please come and speak with either Ross or myself afterwards or another week. So pray about it and then, yeah, come and talk to us.
3: And finally, let's uh, pray together. The Bible tells us, be anxious for nothing but in everything in prayer and supplication. Give thanks. Uh, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made made known to God. Uh, Emma and I are praying for 30 plus guests to join us on this course. And we would love to see a mixture of people we know and also people who might have never had a link with church before. Amazing, thanks so much.
0: Great, okay. Let me try and tie a few bits together um, as Ross kindly just wheels off. These bits and pieces. Um, so what we thought we'd do is make use of these cards and make use of the time, make use of some space just to, to hear God, really. Um, and so I guess we've already been addressing different people in the room want to be a church like that. Um, Ollie was helpfully saying, if you would like to, to do Alpha, that's where you're at, then this is for you. And equally, I'm saying to those of us who are, who are Christians, who, who, who want to be, if you like, a um, a living embodiment of the Samaritan woman who want to go and help people begin their journey of exploring, then who are we going to do that with and for? And so the reason why we're launching Alpha now and not just giving you a week's notice before September or October the 3rd is that we've got time over the summer to to be praying for people, um, to be uh, spending time with people. Not so that people are projects so we think, well, this is course starting, so I'm now going to spend time with you to get you onto a seat in a course. That's not what it's about. But it is about, in these moments now, and through the week, and again next week, when Jason Stocks will, will share, have some more testimony stuff, just beginning to ask God, how would you have me play my part? If I'm a, a follower of Christ, how would, you have my, how would you have me play my part? How can I be somebody who says to somebody else, this is what Jesus has done in my life. Would you like to come and explore him? And if you would, Alpha is going to be great for you because you get a coffee and a meal and you watch a film and you get to ask all the questions in the way that Ollie has helpfully explained it. So I would say that God would love all of us to play our part in different ways. A couple of additional thoughts. If you're thinking, well, I've got some people I've been praying for for ages. I, I think they would love an invitation to go on Alpha, but they live in East London because I work in London and I work with them. That's that's great. Write them down. We're not just trying to build a King's Church thing. okay? Lots of us work in London, our friends and contacts, that we're salt and light with don't live anywhere near Kingston, and that's just part of the context of where we are. And the great thing about Alpha is there are Alpha courses running all over London, especially in in the autumn. So by all means, write down people that we will never see, but you might be used by God to pray for and invite. And then I thought we would actually kind of own it together as a church. So rather than just being a you and God thing, let's make it a church thing, which is why you can write down the names twice if God gives you some. Just tear it off. We'll find a way to put it in those little bowls that haven't got winding them, so don't panic. You'll put the names in there. And then this Sunday evening, first prayer meeting, we'll start a summer of just, as a church, just praying for these people. We're not going to find out about them. We're not going to expose people's private lives. They're your friends or your neighbors or your families. But we'll just, as a family, as a community, own some of these names together through the summer and just Bring them in, in, in prayer to God and see what God does because God loves to hear prayer. He loves to answer prayer. He loves to do what he's already decided to do which is build his church and make his name known to those who don't yet know him. So to that end, if maybe the band could come and join me, that would be great. And like I said, we're just going to take some moment. These guys are just going to play and I just want encourage you just to begin to reflect and ask God to speak. And he's alive, and he's real, and he's good. He loves you, and he wants to make his name known. So it's very logical that he would communicate to us. If all of this is totally new to you, that's fine. Just sit and observe. But I wonder whether God might start to bring some names into um, our minds. And if that's the case, you just scribble them down on the on the card twice. And then after a little period of time, we've just silently listening to God, praying. We're just gonna stand, we're gonna sing together, worship. And what we're gonna do is just pop the If you like the copy of the names into one of these two bowls, make your way to the front. And then we can begin a summer of just beginning to prayerfully lead up to a course that I would love God just to really, really bless. Okay, so just time to pray, to reflect, listen to God. Then we'll stand and sing and put some names in these bowls. As we're doing that, who knows what else God might say about this course or about us. Loads of things might have come up in the last hour or so. And we'd love to hear God speaking to us as a community as
2: well. Okay, so let's have some time. I'll pray in a few moments.